Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halleck. <laughs> we're having a giggle here. It's been a while since we actually were able to sit down together. And, well, we're still not together. We're still social distancing from our own homes. Um, as of yet, the uh, campus radio station up at CJSF has not yet opened for us to return. But maybe sometime soon, we'll see. I know they're keeping us in the loop as things develop and as things... Uh, evolve in yes current, it's an evolution definitely. Yeah, in the in the current world that we're in uh so we come to you live from our living rooms and uh, i might as well take a moment to acknowledge that we are broadcasting from the unceded ancestral territory of the squamish the musqueam the coquitlam and the tsleil and luca and i are constantly seeking to learn what does that burden of knowledge or not burden of knowledge, it is facts. <laughs> but what does the awareness of those facts mean? And what I would, are we yeah, I would call into? it the responsibility of knowledge. Yeah. Right? It's like now we know what's our responsibility. What is it our responsibility to do with that knowing now that we have it? Very true. Very true. And that shows up in a lot of areas in life. Um, so we were chatting a little bit just before we... Uh, started recording for you all today and we were realizing that we've been having some powerful dreams or experiences over the last while uh, and Luca was taking some time to tell me about one that that you had today that was uh, during during a session you were having um, but even just the fact that we've been having dreams my partner's been waking up and telling me oh I had another one and, and telling me some of what his dreams were because they're still very much in the forefront of his mind. And I had one that brought into my mind somebody that I haven't been in contact with for a while. And it was a very powerful dream that popped me right out of it. You know how, you know how that can happen, Luca? Like you're, you're deep asleep and your dream is, is going full at it. But sometimes something happens in the dream and it's, it's too much for your brain to process even while asleep and just pops you awake. So it was one of those kind of dreams. And I actually reached out to that person that day. And then he said, I'd been thinking about you and talking about you 30 minutes ago. So yeah, we were needing to, this is somebody in Zurich. We <laughs> very far away. So we, we reach out to each other through dreams, I guess. That's the, so you were talking to Zurich uh, and I was talking to Germany. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's it, because this is a global thing, right? This. Yeah. So this is interesting to me that there are so many of us, and I'm sure this is going to be true for many of the listeners too, that, that we are experiencing some pretty profound dreams right now. And you've been a safe place I've come to with my dreams before in the past, Luca, where it was one of those dreams that I was just imprinted on my mind. I didn't understand what it meant, but it was so vivid that I had a sense that there was something in it that I could untangle and understand if I just knew what it was and you've you've listened and given me given me helpful feedback for dreams sometimes maybe we could start off by uh telling people some of the general 
things that show up in dreams and what they represent. One of the things that's coming to my mind right now is um, cars. You mentioned to me before that when, when I'm driving in my dream or when I'm in a car, that's representing my power. And if that happens in a dream, yeah. yeah, it tends to reveal how I'm feeling about my power or whether. And I'm I don't know it. that it's always that way for everybody who dreams about a car, but it's um, uh, efficacy in life, right? To the degree to which we feel like we are empowered to um, um, to to express ourselves to. Uh, make choices and decisions and that kind of thing. So what I always say to people about dreams is that I believe it's, it's a tool that we use each of us to be able to access the, um, the nonlinear, non-spatial, non-temporal part of ourselves, sometimes referred to as our higher self or our soul self or whatever we, it is sometimes our, you know, super conscious, like whatever part of ourselves it is that is not so much functioning in our everyday lives. And so we need a vehicle through which to bring information, awarenesses from that level to our everyday lives. And I think that dreams and daydreams, because some people don't have nocturnal dreams that they remember, but they do have daydreams, mm-hmm. that that's a way to port that information through and I talk about it as we we pack it on the other side. We pack it into a suitcase. And the dream is the way that we bring it through. And then we have to unpack the suitcase. We have to unfold what's in it. And we, I believe, we, we put it in the form of a story because stories are easier to remember. Mm-hmm. Even if the story is like a, a little vignette, it might not be you know, a full length feature film, it might be just a little snippet, but, but even that, if it has a beginning, a middle and an end, it's easier for us to remember it. So when I work with my clients around helping them to figure out what a dream is about, I get them to recount it to me. And in the recounting, there's often a little, it's like the scene shifts and that people say, and then I was all of a sudden here. Mm-hmm. Or I, or all of a sudden it shifted to this, or all of a sudden something happened. Yeah, and that's like um, the scenes of a play, or the you know act one, scene one, right? And we we have these shifts, and the shifts are like our another part of ourselves saying, and then mm-hmm. this, and then this, and if we, if, so when when the person's recounting it to me. I write it, I take a piece of paper and I fold it in half lengthwise. And on the left hand side, I put what they're saying to me, um, what they're actually saying to me. And with lots of space in between. And on the right hand side, I put, we, we go back through afterwards and we unpack it. So we, so we say, all right, what were you calling for in your life before the dream? What, what were you looking for? What were you wanting to know more about? What were you, what problem were you trying to solve? What, um, what were you searching for? Whatever it is, right? And we can assume that if the dream comes right at that time, that it is in some way an answer to that. Um, and, and then once we've got that as a sort of a hypothesis, like what maybe the dream is about this. And then we go through and we, so I talk first of all about feelings, like what, what were you feeling as the dream 
started or the piece of the dream that you can remember? What, what, what did you feel like? And also at the very end, what did you feel like? And were there changes in the emotions, the feelings in the dream as we, as we went through it? Because the emotion is a, is a huge part of the dream. Very few of us dream with no emotion at all. And if we do, that's significant in itself. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we take each piece of it apart and say, well, okay, what, if there was a person in the dream that, who is in our lives, we can say, well, what does that person represent to you? Do you like them? Do you dislike them? Do you admire them? Do you, uh, is this a person who teaches you something? Do they, um, when do they show up in your life? Or no. So, so we're beginning to unpack what is the meaning of that person and not necessarily assuming that if that person is, is in the dream, that it, the dream is about them. So the basic assumption here, and this comes from Jung, that is that our, our dreams are about ourselves. They're, they're a way of giving us feedback on our own lives and helping us to increase our awareness about what's going on for us. So then we, so, so we're, so we're unpacking. What does this person mean? And what are the symbols? So, so for instance, you're dreaming about your car. Um, what, you know, do, do you remember other times in your life when you dreamt about a car in your dreams? Did, did that have meaning? Did it turn out afterwards that that had meaning for you? Um, how do you feel about your car? What's going on with your car right now? So those kinds of things. And, you know, some people dream, there's the big symbols, like if you dream about a snake or you dream about sex or you dream about a parent or a major life event or whatever it is. And so if you go to the alternative bookstore, there's all kinds of books in there that that are what purport to be dream dictionaries, right? Mm -hmm. This symbol means this. And I think that archetypally, it often does mean something. Um, and sometimes our psyche will use that to convey a message to us. But I also ask people, what does that symbol mean to you? Mm-hmm. Like, is it, is that significant? Um, sometimes it's a, you know, a, Kel- a Celtic symbol or a, something that's so important to us that we tattoo it on our bodies or we, or we, you know, we, we hang it from our rear view mirror in the car or we, um, we take it as part of a logo for our business or whatever it is. So what does that, what does it mean? So I'm looking for when we, when we unpack a dream, even if I'm unpacking my own, what are the symbols that are showing up? What has meaning for me in there? And does it correspond with the emotion I was feeling? And also I'm looking for what's out of place? What, what doesn't fit? What's a surprise in the unpacking of that, of that dream? So, and there are, I have dreams. Some dreams are what I call the woo-woo dreams. They're the ones I remember. They're the ones that I had when I was five years old and I can still remember the dream, mm-hmm. um, you know, 55 years later. Um, there are some dreams that are ephemeral. So I wake up and they, they're like, they're like wisps of mist and they, they're, by the time I've been up for 10 minutes, they've disappeared. Mm-hmm. But they might leave a, 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 um, an imprint behind for the yeah. day mm-hmm. or for a week or for a month. Um, or um, sometimes people dream a dream over again, like they've dreamt it before. But now this time, there's just one little thing that's different in it. So those are the repeat dreams. 
Um, there are some people who dream dreams and they know in the dream that they're dreaming. Um, so we call that conscious dreaming. There's other names for it, but, but it's, you know, I know I'm dreaming and some people know that they can change the outcome from the way it was the last time they dreamt it. So there's all, I mean, this is a, a deep, wide, rich field. And then we've us. got, yeah, then we've got dreams. I, I frequently have, uh, well, I don't know how frequently I have it in real life, but it's through frequently in terms of through my whole life, uh, yes. deja vu dreams. And I can, uh, yes. I can, when, when the moment is happening in real life, I mm-hmm. have a sense of how long ago the dream was when I had, when I had the dream. Yeah. And there's been a couple of yeah. times when I have, I have been on the cusp of, I know what's happening next. Like I've actually been yes. able to predict what's yes. coming next, which is, that's yes. very unusual for deja vu. It's usually just the sense yeah. of, yeah. And we don't, what we don't know is whether we're dreaming ahead into the future, whether the future is linear, like, is it linear and is it ahead? Um, and now we're recognizing something that we explored before, or did we explore in dreams ahead of time possible realities and dream all the possibilities so that if any of them unfolded, they would look familiar to us? So that, we don't know. We can't tell that for sure. I have to throw out something right here. I just read an article last night or a day or two ago that was about um, scientists down uh, in the Antarctic who Mm. were doing some kind of an experiment involving sending something way up into the atmosphere, collecting some particle-y stuff and bringing it back down and then analyzing it. That's about as much as I remember about that. In, in our non-scientific yeah. view of the world, right? <laughs> yeah. Read the article and then you'll actually know what I'm talking about because I don't. Um, what was interesting to me was the results that they had replicated many, many times were, were showing that some of the stuff that they were collecting, these particles that they were collecting, could not possibly be from this world. And, but they weren't going outside of the atmosphere. It was, and I can't remember how they were able to tell the difference, but they were, it was, it was so flummoxing that they were multiple times just trying to find out, is there any errors in our, in the machines and the computers and the whatever we're doing, they couldn't find any errors. And because it was repeatedly happening, what, you know, somebody eventually just sort of had to throw out there, I think we might be grabbing stuff from a parallel universe. And what they, what was astonishing to me was like, I've already, you know, enjoyed the thought of the parallel universes. I think it's very fertile ground for imagination. And for science fiction. And for science fiction. But they were saying, and if this is what happened, it's a parallel universe where time is running reverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's heading to the Big Bang rather than, and I just thought, wait, what? Like <laughs> my brain hadn't, my imagination hadn't stretched to a place like that. I don't even yeah. know what to do with that. Um, but I bring that up because, again, the idea of where are we pulling our dreams from? What if our dreams yes. are sometimes bumping into uh, other other parallel universes of us? Yeah, and, and the limits of our imagination. I remember reading back in the early 80s about the idea of probable realities and parallel realities. And I put the book down 
I was, I would have thrown it in the garbage, except that I have great respect for books and I can't just chuck them in the garbage. I put it down and I didn't go back to it for six months. It like, it challenged my view of reality to such an extent that I couldn't, my, my dissonance was so great that I couldn't read it anymore. Right. And eventually my, I got my head wrapped around it and I went back to read some more. But I think that's always true of us being at the edge of what we can understand. I, I call it being at the edge of our known universe. Um, because this is how we expand what we can imagine. People couldn't imagine that there was any such thing as germs until we started being able to look down a microscope, right? Right. And see that there were things going on that we couldn't see with the naked eye. Um, so that, that forced us to expand our idea of what could be possible. Mm. So I think dreams tend to do that for us as, as well. That and also feels in looking at that too. Um, the statement that you just made about dreams expanding the edges of what we we can even perceive to be possible because it's where things first things that don't make sense can show up and just happen. Yes. Uh, heck, just the other week, I'm I have a habit, a pattern of my dreams are a continuation of wrestling with issues or problems if I've got something that's unresolved and it's I haven't figured out how to do it I can remember all the way back to university once waking up from a dream and knowing how to solve a puzzle for some game I was playing yeah on a computer that was like a physics-based puzzle and and just last week I, I had to do something that was connected with with web work it was like this is an unsolvable inscrutable problem and then in this in my dream it was like ping Here's a completely different way of going about it, and and it worked. I yeah. woke up and I I tried it, yeah. and it totally solved it. It was amazing. And a lot of people say that that they that they're that dreams are a problem solving tool for them. Um, and and that so that's obviously a pattern for you. I don't typically solve problems in my dreams, but I have dreams that give me um insight into what's currently happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people who dream ahead, so they, they dream into the future. So, the, and it looks like the present, but a few days later, or a few weeks or a few months, it actually happens. So that's a little bit like deja vu, but starting to um, feel like we might have different dream powers. <laughs> I think, I think we do. I mean, cause I deal with this a lot with my clients, right? Um, and, and not everybody dreams in the same way. Yeah, no, that is very so it's, true. So it's really important for us to take a look at what have our dream patterns been and what, what, what shows up? How does it show up? And, and repeats of symbols, right? So that comes back to that. That's, so we have a dream lexicon as in the same way as we have an intuitive lexicon. The intuitive part is typically what happens in our waking life. The dream lexicon is how does that show up in our dream life or our daydream life? If you do it that way. And I don't know what makes it so some people dream at night and some people dream while they're in a waking state. I have no idea how that gets assigned mm-hmm. or whether we choose it. Like, do we sit there up there in our puffy white cloud and say, and I think I'll have my dreams in the daytime. <laughs> like, who, who does that? I have no idea. But it, it seems to be consistent for people across their lives in terms of what I've observed 
so far. I just want to um, say to anybody who's just joining us that if you're joining us right now, you're listening to Luca and Rebecca. This is Essential Conversations. Today we're talking about dreams and and what dreams do for us and how they're showing up right now and what they might be telling us and all of that mm-hmm. kind of interesting stuff today. Dreaming into the new possibilities and the new world. So do you want to talk about, do you want to share a little bit about your dream? The one that you, your waking dream? Yeah, well, it was, I, what I've been doing recently is um, I, I uh, know somebody who's a hypnotherapist. And she has been um, taking me into an altered state, which we've discovered I go into very easily and come out of very easily because I guess it's part of what I do for a living. But it, but she's sort of holding the container for me so that I can look at some stuff that is my own. Um, and so we were doing some of that today. And I was, um, I was the, the, the piece that is, has stayed with me that is the strongest and most powerful is I was in a hospital and I was, I think identified with being the surgeon. Cause I, that's how I feel like I, if I look down at myself, I'm, I'm in scrubs and, and have a mask and, and I look down the hall and there's all these gurneys all lined up down the hall and all of them have a person lying on them and we're getting ready. It's like pre-op. Um, and I haven't been in pre-op since I was about four or five. So, um, I don't know what pre-op looks like anymore, but, um, that's what it seems like to me is pre-op. And all of a sudden, all these people start getting off the gurneys and they're all saying, I think it's fine. I, I don't think I need any surgery. I think I'm okay. And the way you do when you're scared and you've decided that maybe this is all just too traumatic and maybe I'm not that sick after all and I can forego the surgery. It's, it's and, the noping out. Yes. <laughs> and the, and the surgeon was, I was being the surgeon and I'm holding out the release form that they've just signed and I'm pointing at it on the clipboard and I'm saying, yeah, but you, and with great love, you know, but yeah, but you just signed this saying you want the surgery and, and they're saying, yeah, but maybe I don't need it. And, and I knew it's just, it's just a matter of, you know, they're just getting cold feet and they just need to get back on the gurney again and it's all going to be fine. And so, but they were all doing this together. And I was, I had it explained to me by whoever, I don't know who explains things to you when you're doing stuff like this, but they, but they said to me, this is humanity right now on the planet. We are in pre-op. And that's what this virus is that we're going through. It's isolating us and we're, you know, we've, we've been, We've been sterilized and we're, we're ready to go into surgery. We've signed the release forms. We know where we're going. Uh, although we don't know, but we do. We, we set our intention to go in there. And, and the surgeons are the ones who are going to take us through to the other side. And it would seem from what I was going through that the other side is the other side of this shift. So, so many people have been saying to me recently, if all, if our systems on this planet aren't working well anymore, and they're, they're not working for enough people, they're just, 
basically they work for the very, very rich and they don't work for most other people. Um, if we change all of our systems, you can't change one system and not change another one. So if, if they're all, if they all need to be changed, how do you do that without anarchy, without complete chaos, without, you know, everything falling apart? And how long does it take for us to change? Cause we know that we don't really like change and that it, it's difficult for us to do. So if we're going through that, how's it going to happen? And my guides have been saying for years now that this was going to happen peacefully, that it would be smooth and elegant. And as the old system toppled, the new system would come up. So what they were showing me, I think this afternoon was that, um, we're, we're going to go from the three dimensional world, the three dimensional way we've been looking at things. And we're going to go into the equivalent of surgery and come out at the other end and the world will be a different world. So how does that happen? It's, it, we have that when we go into surgery. The, I think that the analogy is really good because you, somebody sticks a needle in your, in your hand and, and you're out. You're just out. And the next thing you know, you wake up and the surgery's done and you have no memory of it whatsoever mm-hmm. but now you're on the other side of it now you have to get used to whatever it was they did to you in the surgery right mm-hmm. and i and and i think what they're showing me is that we'll go from a three-dimensional world to a multi-dimensional world um and when we get to the other side we won't even remember what it was like before but that's the side what they showed me is that I'm already living in that other world, the new world, but I'm having to pull through, almost pull through the eye of the needle, the, the, the last vestiges of myself that are attached to the old way of doing things and that are a little bit afraid of, and, and in many cases, very afraid of the new, of the new, what, what's going to come next. Mm-hmm. And, and this, is where it ties into a dream because I had a dream many years ago that I was going into surgery and I, I was brought to the, the hospital to, and I was in pre-op and there were these two um, uh, members of the surgical team who were getting me ready to go in for surgery and everything had been done. And then they came and they said to me, Oh, the doctor's not going to be able to see you. We're not having the surgery after all. And the next thing I remember, I was fully dressed and, and walking out of the, out of the pre-op room and, and went with the person who brought me in there and, and I left the building. And a few years after that, I realized that I had had the surgery, but it's the nature of surgery that you don't remember what happened in the surgery. Yeah. But I didn't know what happened in there. I just knew that I had been through some kind of transformational process and I was showing it because that's the nature of my dreams. I give myself insight into what's actually going on in my life at the time. As I was seeing this this afternoon with this, all of us getting scared about going into surgery and, and getting up off the gurney and saying, well, yeah, I think I'm fine. I'm going home now. Um, I realized that it was echoing what I'd already done in a dream. And uh, and that trepidation that we feel just before we go in for surgery, 
where we think that no matter how, how much pain we've been in or how awful our lives have been that requires this surgery, that maybe we don't need it after all, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think that I probably went through it ahead of the curve, as I often do, ahead of the curve in that dream. At that time, the dream was showing me what was going on. Now I'm one of the surgeons, i.e. I'm one of the people helping people to go through this eye of the needle. And there was no, in what I went through this afternoon, there was no judgment about anybody not wanting to go through with this. There was just this reminding them, I'm holding my hand out here and pointing at my hand as though my hand is the piece of paper with the signature on it. There was just the reminder for people that they'd committed to this. That that when they were of sound mind and weren't as scared as they are as they're getting off the gurney, that they had committed to this and that they knew that this was the right thing to do for them. So it, I came out of the other end of this thinking, oh, wow, how, I mean, there was more to it than that, but, but for the sake of brevity here, um, that was the essence of it. But I have, what have I been calling for lately? I want to understand how we're going to make this shift from a world that is really not particularly a world that I want to live in. I mean, nature's great, but what, 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 we're, what we're doing to nature is not great. Yeah. Um, all the systems that we have, I'm not happy with them. I'm not happy with the wars that we're waging with the, with the poverty, with the, with the, um, uh, people not having enough to eat with, uh, people being disenfranchised, uh, with the racism, with all of this. I just, I'm not happy with it. So if that has to collapse, what's, what's happening next? And I came out of it feeling more hopeful about how we might be handling this and that we can't possibly understand what's coming through the lens of what we're in right now because if the lens of what we were in right now worked we wouldn't need to change it Mm -hmm. so if it's so different then i can't explain to myself from the other side to the self that's still here what it is that's going on except to say we're going through a giant shift right yeah i know why i want the shift Mm -hmm. but how it's going to come about Maybe I don't, not just that I don't need to know, but that I don't have the conceptual hooks to hang it on. Yeah. Except from looking at it from the other side, which isn't going to make any sense to the me down here that's trying to understand yeah. it. Does that yeah. make sense? Of course it does. I mean, it can even be understood through something like being told what it's like to give birth to a child versus yeah. going through it and yes. actually experiencing it. There. Entirely different things. Our imagination can only stretch so far. And then it requires experience to reorient. And that's that's a huge thing that that mothers go through, right? But it's even true of something like, I remember my driving instructor saying to me when I was in high school that he could teach me how to drive on paper with a manual, but that nobody can drive until they get in the car and do it. Yes, it's true. Yeah. And, and it's true. Your, your body has to learn how to do it. Yeah. And so there's one part of it that's conceptual. 
And then there's another part of it that you have to live through, move, move through. And it's moving into, I remember how scared I was the first, because I haven't given birth. You have. But I remember the first time I got in a standard gear shift car to go out and practice for the first time. And I got out of the car after half an hour and my knees were like jelly. Because <laughs> it, it was so scary. Yeah. To take this piece of equipment out, even though I was really excited to do it, I was it's also just, terrified. It's again that back to cars representing power. They really, they really are. In a way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like it's time for us to play one of our songs. Good. And I'm. And you have being, one picked out. I am. I'm. I'm being pulled to the Gordon Lightfoot song, which is one that I I got reminded of uh, just this past week. So since we're talking about dreams and what's in our mind and pulling all of that through, um, we've got If You Could Read My Mind by Gordon Lightfoot. So we'll give a listen to this and we'll be right back uh, to talk more about this dreaming through the shift into the new world. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet You know that ghost is me And I will never be set free As long as I'm a ghost You can't see I could read your mind, love What a tale your thoughts could tell Just like a paperback novel The kind the drugstore sells When you reach the part Where the heartaches come The hero would be me The heroes often fail Because the ending just too hard to take I'd walk away like a movie star Who gets burned in a three-way street Number two A movie queen To play the scene Of bringing all The good things out in me But for now love Let's be real I never thought I could act this way And I've got to say That I just don't get it I don't know where We went wrong But the feeling just can't get it back If you could read my mind, love What a tale my thoughts could tell Just like an old-time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark 
or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet. The stories always end if you read between the lines. You'll know that I'm just trying to understand the feelings that you left. Never thought I could feel this way, and I've got to say that I just don't get it. I don't know where we went wrong, but the feeling's gone, and I just can't get it back. Welcome back. You're listening to Essential Conversations with Luca and Rebecca. We just took a listen to Gordon Lightfoot's If You Could Read My Mind. I was completely transported back to childhood. Um, but also some lines really stood out to me this time. It's been forever since I heard that song. But when he's talking about, you know, I don't know where we went wrong with the feelings gone and we just can't get it back. And considering what we've been talking about... I feel like we're going to enter into that phase soon in the world as we start trying to reopen, trying to sort of, some people are trying to step back into what has been, but it's not the same anymore. And we may need a few go arounds before we really get that. And before we're all, uh, you were, before we came on air, Luca, you were talking about being pulled through the eye of the needle before we're all pulled through the eye of the needle into something new. And um, and you can't take anything with you through the eye of the needle. You go, your essence goes through. That's it, right? Right, which is hard to even comprehend. What does that even mean? But we are, yeah. And it's I was talking. Is- I was talking about Gordon Lightfoot because because he, the, I saw him live. And he was really, really drunk. That was at the point in his alcoholism that it was it was becoming unmanageable for him. And it took him years to come back to performing again. And he came back a different person. I thought it was interesting that he talks in the song about being a ghost. Mm. Um, because I think the ghost of his old self was there. Um but he's but he's different now than he was. That his essence is there, but he's not the same person that he was before he went through that huge metamorphosis in his life. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, as we come through the virus, as you're saying, we may find that also that we bring some of you know the very best parts of what we've created as humanity will bring with us, and some of the things we'll decide that we don't want anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being forced to stop. Um, Luca, do you remember when we were training as coaches, there was once an, an example that was given to us or where the concept of where does our power lies was being discussed. And we were told to pick up a glass of water that we had in front of us. And then the question was asked of us, uh, what's in control, your hand that's holding the glass of water? And, of course, we're all like, well, yeah. Of course. And then the, <laughs> we were told, well, no, as long as you're holding that glass of water, the glass of water is in control. Your hand can't do anything else as long as that glass of water is in it. Yes. 
And it's only when you put down the glass of water that your hand has choice again. And then you could choose to pick it back up again. You could choose to do something else, et cetera. And I thought yeah. this was yeah. a really inside out way of understanding how yeah. when you are, when you are doing, <laughs> it's very hard to realize how the doing has power over you rather than you have control over the doing. And we've been, we've all been forced to really slow down and let go of a lot yes. of things that would have been normal days, weeks, activities, work, engaging in society, buying of things, making of things. Yes. We've had to really shift that. And it gives us the chance to actually stop and evaluate. It's so much harder to mm -hmm. do so when you're yep. still doing. Yeah. And, and then it's hard to take a look at what are your coping mechanisms around yeah. it, right? What do I do? When I get scared, when, when all of my ways, my normal ways of coping are gone, then what coping mechanisms do I fall back on? What am I, what am I doing to compensate? And do I want to continue doing those things even? Yeah. 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 Cause so there's a lot of soul searching going on for many, many, many of us right now. What do you think? Sit, like in this time. I'm curious for you, you Luca, what, is there anything specific that's come up for you that you're, you have felt this is a shift I'm going to make going forward that you've been invited into through this. Like what, what does that look like for you? Well, I was, I was thinking, um, I have been thinking about this for a number of weeks. Now I reconnected with an old friend of mine from about 25, 30 years ago. Um, and, and we've picked up where we left off, but we're both 25, 30 years older now and have lived a lot in the time in between. And I was thinking about how, how are we different now than, than we were then? And I, I think that, uh, some of the messages that I've been getting through dreams and through, um, when I do readings for other people, I often get information that's valuable for them, but it's valuable for me at the same time. And one of them is to stay in my wheelhouse. And so I've, I've been, uh, getting clearer and clearer about what my niche is in, and in terms of life, never mind in terms of what I do for work, that the, I, the idea that I should be doing what makes me happy, what I feel good at doing, no matter whether it's perfect or not. Because one of the ways that I stayed in control and holding the glass was uh, to to feel like um, if I could make it perfect enough um, and structured enough, then then I then it would be safe. It would be secure. And what I'm discovering is that it's safe and secure, more safe and secure if I let go of it, which is paradoxical, but. So it comes up for me around um, working in audio and video and moving out of writing where I can write and rewrite and rewrite if I want to. Um, with I don't, I'm not a big happy editor when it comes to audio and visual, as you well know. So it's like a one-take wonder, right? <laughs> if it doesn't work in the first take, it's not happening. Yeah. And if I wait around until I'm perfect enough in one take, it, that won't happen either. But there is no substitute for doing something. Right. So, so like driving, right? You, the more you drive, the better you get at it. 
well, the same thing is true with this. So I'm learning to uh, let go of all the things that I don't particularly enjoy and investing more in the things I do enjoy, but not needing them to be perfect mm-hmm. because otherwise they don't happen. Um, and there's also comfort for me when I have experiences like I had this afternoon of being able to see the bigger picture and and know that the world isn't, although the world may look like it's falling apart, sometimes things have to fall apart to come together to coalesce in a different, better way. Um, and, and to stay out of the fear of what it's, the devolution, and and stay with my consciousness in the evolution of of what's coming that we are so talented at creating. If we can dream it, if it, literally dream it, then we can create it. We can attract it. So that's been the big the big learning for me recently. And and so you know my living room looks a bit like a a recording studio at the moment, <laughs> ring lights and tripods and computer equipment and earphones and microphones. And, um, <laughs> but it's, but it's also exciting. It's a reorientation. So yeah. A- well, I was just going to say, if I turn that around and, and throw it back to you, what have you been finding? I have been finding that, um, Things that I thought about myself, uh, ways that I must be, because it's just how I am, it's just how I operate, um, fingers in many pots, lots of different projects, that perhaps that was not for the reasons that I had thought it was, where it was sort of an inevitable, this is just how I am, I just need to spread myself widely and engage in all the variety starting to look back and realize that this was perhaps um, necessity and survival joyful even while I did it you know um, but that it may not be serving me so well anymore so being forced to I want to say be small but be small is not quite right I could say staying close to home And so not, the energy is not being spent in driving around the city. My time is not being spent moving from place to place. And therefore, I have the focus here at home. And what am I able to do with that? And I'm feeling called into something big. The shift I feel is going to be asking or inviting is really the better word, uh, me to stand up really tall and to bring all of my experiences and skills out and put them to use perhaps in new ways, bolder ways than I have been so far, but very much in alignment with everything that I've been working towards. But it's also a sense of pull in all your tentacles, Rebecca, because you're going to need all of those arms on the same like rusty cog. You're going to need it's it all. It's almost regrouping, right? To, to regroup, you have to pull everything in, you know, call everything in from the field, so to speak, and then um, have a big push in one direction. Right. It, you can do multiple things in lots of different pots at the same yeah. time yeah. when it's required. 
but maybe it's not a place that any of us want to live all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit of a view of uh, simplifying, you could say, Um, but only so that it becomes even more powerful rather than dispersed. So there's things that I want to choose to just do more at home and to not be traveling around as much. I'm starting to recognize that uh, with all of us that commute, um, I mean, I commute the kids to school, but then I also would continue commuting my way around the day. I, I don't have an office that I work out of per se, but I do my work here and there. But it's all people on the road. It's all the things that create... Um, problems with our atmosphere and disperse the animals, etc. So, so yeah, um, definitely being a little bit more aware of my personal impact on the world around me and that by choosing to be smaller, I actually have more space to be bigger. <laughs> Ironically. Yes. I think that's my, so my takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. And that by simplifying, I'm not actually reducing my impact or not now I'm not speaking in terms of like environmentally, but just in terms of the ripple effect in humanity, the good things that I'm trying to do that by simplifying, I may actually be magnifying. So, and maybe that's true around the environment too, right? It doesn't yeah. like it. I think it tracks across Yeah, by I simplifying. Right. We yeah. don't, maybe we don't need to travel around as much. It doesn't mean that we can never go anywhere, but do we need to run around as much as we run around? I I mean, really, our status quo has been challenged. Whenever you're in a situation where it's like, okay, we can't do this as normal. Can we do this another way? Then it starts to beg the question of, is it any better doing it a different way? What is the difference? Does it make And and what are we assessing it against? What do we really want? Um astrologically there's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now that that is asking us some questions around um how do we reorient back into our inner authority um in what in 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 what ways are we giving up our authority to others mm-hmm. and how do we take it back again and about trust um do we trust ourselves and what is it in ourselves that we're trusting yeah. Um, and that begs the question of what are my values? What do I value in life? What do I want to let go of? What do I want to hang on to? Yeah. And why? Yeah. Yep. It's certainly um, bringing into question all of the habits and patterns. Yeah. Well, a lot of them, most of them. So there's some of them that yep. it really highlights. Uh, it's not necessarily disrupted them except for it's highlighted them because they're the only ones we have access to while we're in the house. And so we may indulge or expand them because we're, our routine has changed. And so we're at home and uh, that just brings new stuff to our attention too. It's certainly, it, it, I think it's highlighted for us if we may have unexpected addictions, not necessarily to substances going into our body, but just um, reliance and over-reliance on something to do something else for us without thinking, yeah. without honoring, without being aware. And what, of it. what is it that we're using as a as a as a coping mechanism? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how, how you know how are we self soothing or 
how do we distract ourselves yeah. from the big questions, whatever those are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we've got, we have some opportunities here. And I think that if we come back to our dreams, that our dreams often will point out things for us that, uh, maybe we, um, can take this opportunity to take a look at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, dreams are something that really are self empowering because we're dreaming for ourselves. And, and so what are we doing with those dreams, uh, daydreams or nocturnal dreams? What, what are we, what are we doing with them? Um, and, and what would we like to do with them? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we pay attention to them? Do we, cause I, you know, a lot of people write their dreams down. Some people, uh, pick up their phone as soon as they wake up and speak it into a right. uh, recording, um, so that they can come back to it later. Uh, cause some people hit the ground running right when they first get up. Mm-hmm. Um, some people wake up in the middle of the night with a dream and they, and they recognize that they need an easy way to capture it so that it's still there mm-hmm. later. Um, if you have daydreams, what do you do with those? How do you, how do you capture those? I think um, even, even before the capturing comes the curiosity, the yeah. acknowledgement to self that there may be a part of my, my psyche, myself, maybe a smarter part, maybe a part that has act, that sees other things more clearly than my waking mind, my aware mind does. Yeah. And it may be a different passing, perspective. Yeah, it may have something useful for me. So if it did, what would, what is it saying? Just being curious to recognize that what, what if the dreams are something that is being gifted to you right now as a means of insight or problem solving or uh, mapping out the future? Whatever, you know? Yeah. So if your, if your intention is to pay attention to what other parts of you might be trying to share with your conscious self, then I think that we'll, we're more likely to start noticing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I really appreciate, um, you know, circling back to what you were saying earlier on in our conversation about how there may be some meta level um, archetype things that show up within our dreams, but really sitting with what does that mean for me? Yes. And, and how and does it feel? How does it feel is a big clue as to what is representing. Yeah. And I think also even giving yourself permission that your dreams may, may, may speak even more profoundly or may be revealing things to you or maybe highlighting aspects of relationships to you in bolder ways than you might expect. I know I've done interpersonal healing with a previous relationship through dreams. It was like the weirdest mm-hmm. way. It's like if we could, if the two of us could have gotten together and actually had counseling together it probably maybe it would have had the results but instead we did it on dream level like we never actually met we never talked in person and yet i did and have and a conversation it's such a creative way to to solve an issue right the, yeah. i like i often find that that as much as we might suppress suppress our creativity in our everyday lives our dreams don't suppress our creativity <laughs> they no. they just it's like Nothing is too wild and wacky. We, we, we sort of have to, and we say, oh, well, that's just a dream. But, but how wonderful that we can be creative in that way, that we can be bigger than life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what is the contrast between our everyday lives and what we dream? Mm-hmm. I think that's a fascinating, um, area 
to look at. It's very true. Um, and we can do it with our kids, right? What did you, we ask them over breakfast in the morning. What did you dream last night? Yeah. Yeah. If there was something powerful, they'll remember it. I mean, I've still yeah. got memories of a dream that I had when I was about 12 that completely altered a trajectory of my life. Like yes. it was just one of those dreams. They can yeah. show up at that. And even one when I was about seven. Yeah. <laughs> or well, I think every culture has recognized in, in one way or another mm. the power of dreams. Mm. And I've noticed a lot in novels that I read how often it is used as a way of exploring something that's going on for a character. Mm-hmm. And we True. wouldn't put them into our novels if we didn't recognize on some level how powerful they are. Yeah. Um, they're, they're sort of the homeland of metaphor. Yeah. So it would be interesting. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling encouraged even to do this myself to before I go to sleep to ask myself, is there something I could, I could be aware of or I could be helped to become aware of? through my dreams that's about how I can be, how I can shift, how I can facilitate and support the shift on a personal and societal level. Yeah. And, or, and also anything that I might need to help me. Yeah. Um, like I, I live by myself, so I don't have, there's no affection around me in my life. And I've had two dreams recently where all these wonderful, affectionate, adoring dogs were in my dreams. I've never dreamt <laughs> about dogs that I can remember in my entire life. And <laughs> wow. all of a sudden, within the last couple of weeks, I've had two dreams where I've had these, and I can feel them. They're warm and soft and <laughs> affectionate. And I thought, well, that's giving me a little affection in my life right now because mm-hmm. I'm certainly not getting it from people because I'm not having any contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you can't true. hug through the computer. No, it's true. <laughs> as amazing as it is, we haven't figured out how to yeah. do that one yet. Well, as we're running out of time here today, I feel like we're sending you a hug, dear listener, through the airwaves. If you need yes, one, you got a virtual one. Virtual hug. Virtual hug. Yeah. We are, as, as we keep hearing it everywhere, everywhere, we're all in this together, even though we feel perhaps very on our own at times. And yeah. curiosity is definitely perhaps the most strong place that we can be in as we go forward. Absolutely. So until next time, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck's.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Oh, ah, 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 Happy, 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 happy. Boing, 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 boing,